Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. Father, we thank you for your great faithfulness, your great mercy. This morning we've gathered in the presence of the all-powerful one, the almighty one. May you speak to us words of liberation. May you speak to us words of encouragement. May you anoint our heads with fresh oil. May we live emboldened to live, to live out the lives you've planned for us, to become the people you say we are. Father, anybody in here who is anxious or worried or troubled, afraid, we come against that spirit in Jesus' name. May the peace of God that transcends all understanding overwhelm our hearts and souls. May your peace reign, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. So, you know, for this month, we've been talking about outreach. And uh, when I was standing at the back, I looked at how many people were in the room, and it was quite obvious we are not outreaching enough. <laughs> you know. But the, the truth for me is that when it comes to the concept of outreach, I'm a big believer in beginning from Jerusalem. Amen. That it has to begin from self. From self. Amen. Otherwise, you end up filling a stadium with people. And they have a sense of Christianity. But once you start talking to them one-to-one, you realize that they have no idea what this faith is about. So it's never really been about the numbers, but the quality of it. Amen. That doesn't mean we shouldn't invite people. Amen. If we truly have something good, a lot more people should be able to partake of it, isn't it? Amen. So this morning, I want to speak to us on how our weakness is an opportunity for the manifestation of his strength. Our weakness, his strength. Our weakness, his strength. So the Gospel of St. John is a very interesting book. Because in the book, John the writer asserts that he is the one Jesus loved the most among all the disciples. I have three children. One of them insists that he's our favorite child. He insists. He says, I am my parents' favorite child. (laughs) He gets in trouble more than anybody else. So definitely gets punished more than everybody else. But he insists He's like John. (laughs) He says, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. (laughs) And you feel his love for Jesus in how he narrates these accounts. So we'll look at some of the things Jesus said according to John. Amen. Some of the stories John shared as experiences he had with Jesus. And through that, we'll see that sometimes what appears to be that which 
was designed to drown us may actually be an opportunity for us to swim in his grace. Hallelujah. Amen. So, chapter 8 begins with a woman caught in adultery. Somehow, the woman was caught single-handedly in adultery. <laughs> so, one person was brought to Jesus, and her crime was adultery. And I'm like, how does one person commit adultery all by themselves? You know, but in an unjust society, anything can happen. You know, and Jesus didn't even get into a debate with them. He just reminds them that all of them accusing this woman, I know way better than her. They should let her go. So they were not too happy with her. And then in verse 12 of chapter 8, he makes an assertion. Jesus makes a claim, a very important claim. And I think it will be our anchor scripture for today. So Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, this is what he said. He said, I am the light of the world. Amen. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you follow any other person, you are in darkness. If you choose to go your own way, you are groping in darkness. But if you're looking for light, if you're looking for clarity, for visibility, I am the light of the world. And then he gives a condition. It's a conditional clause. He says, if you follow me, if you choose to follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Hallelujah. Isn't that beautiful? It says, I'm the light of the world, but the decision to follow me or not is one you make. You know how you want to sleep and somebody switches on the light and you tell them, switch it off, switch it off, switch it off, quickly. I'm not ready for light. He says, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. There are many people walking in darkness by choice, especially if they are born again, especially if they know what God's word says. But at some point, we get so wise, we may treat the word of God as, as suggestions. You know, yeah, yeah, but, you know, yeah, we have very intellectual arguments. It says, no, I am the light of the world. That I am. That doesn't change. I am that I am. I am the light of the world. That's not even a matter of debate. And I am the light that leads to life. So if you choose me as a light, truly as your Lord and your master, and you let me guide you, I will lead you to life. That is assured. But you have to do the choosing. He says, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. If you, if you, that it places a responsibility on me, that I have to. You know, if you're in Ghana and you're in church and everything is fine, you see a lot of Christians until you're in trouble. And then somebody walks up to you and says, you know, this, this child that is not coming, eh, this child. I know somewhere. I can take you somewhere. If you go, if I take you there, look. I took Yaman Sade. She had twins. I took that. I can take you somewhere. 
Until you were in trouble, you thought this person was Christian. You thought they are following the light with you. But this morning, the great assertion I want to make is the one Jesus makes himself. That he's the light of the world. That will never change. And I want to encourage you to choose deliberately, intentionally, purposefully to follow him. Amen. There's an account in chapter 9, beginning from verse 1. Very fabulous story. So Jesus says this, that people insult him, they accuse him, they call him a fraud, but he doesn't stop talking. And then at some point he decides, Shall he, let, me, let me just walk. So he's walking. Chapter 9 verse 1 says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi. Rabbi means teacher. Teacher. His disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? See, that's the problem with being religious. If somebody was born blind, how could it have been because of his sins? Think about the question. They knew the man was born blind. And they're asking Jesus, was it because of his sins? I mean, like, since he committed before he was born. But, but, but when you are brainwashed, you think that if somebody is suffering, it is because God is not happy with them. Or that lack of resource means that you are not blessed. And the only proof that God is with you is when everything is all right. You think like this. So they see the man born blind and they're like, no, somebody, something must have happened. Somebody must have done something wrong. If it's not him, it's his parents. Later on when we meet the parents in this chapter, I think it was the parents, but hey. <laughs> it's just a joke. Jesus looked at them and said, this man's situation, this man's weakness is an opportunity for God's glory. Amen. So verse 3, Jesus says, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Amen. This happened. This situation this person is dealing with, this weakness is an opportunity for God's glory to be seen in him. Amen. Can people see the glory of God in us? Yes, they can. Amen. We are testimonies of his goodness and his mercy. <laughs> Amen. It's important to remember that. It's important to remember that there was a time in our lives when where we are now, was the prayer topic. Amen. It's important to remember that, that there was a time in our lives, I remember there was a time in my life when, this hmm, a confession. So when I was in sit form, there was this pretty young lady who really liked me. And I liked her. But 
The problem was that this girl comes to school in her own car. And me, where I was staying, the house I was living in, I didn't even have a room to myself. <laughs> Not a house to myself. Oh. The room, I was sharing the room with other people. So I looked at the situation, I'm like, <laughs> if this girl comes to my house, and she even needs to sit and chat with me, she can't have privacy. So I had to, as we say in Ghana, remove my eye. <laughs> All advances blocked. I pretended to be so spiritual that I didn't like her. No, I was poor. <laughs> you understand? So there was a time when having my own room, not a house, a room I could call my own, was a prayer topic. And if we continue in this account, we see this man testifying of how Jesus healed him. And everybody marveled. And we read the account and we marvel along with him. But this morning, I just feel like reminding us that as fantastic as this man's story is, it is not very different from ours. We are the beneficiaries of many blessings. The problem is that that which used to be exceptional has become our norm. There was a time in my life when the only prayer I was praying was that I could speak English. Because if you're born in Elmina, you speak fancy. And anytime you see a white person, you do Ashkrishkri Kontomre. Ashkrishkri Kontomre. At least that's what I did. I didn't grow up in a home where your parents speak to you in English. And you go to school and they write, do not speak vernacular. <laughs> So disrespectful. Ghanaian languages are not vernacular. <laughs> but they had it. Do not speak vernacular. Then you try constructing a sentence. And people will laugh at you. There used to be a guy who used to call mine yours. Mine yours. <laughs> because he was fighting with something, somebody over something. Of course, he was speaking tree. <laughs> somebody said, is it yours? Is it yours? He was confused. He said, it's my yours. It's my yours. <laughs> it's my yours. <laughs> it's my yours. So it became his name, my yours. You know? I don't want us to think about the big things God has done for us. He's done some really big things. But you see, where we are now, we are already standing in a place of testimony. Amen. We have seen the light. He is truly the light of the world. And since we started walking with him, we've seen his goodness. We've seen it. But, at, you see, everything, like... Do you know that there was a time in Ghana 
when junk food was aspirational. Junk food was aspirational. Like, <laughs> because we used, to, we used to eat chicken only at Christmas. And at the time, you didn't even ask whether it was a frozen chicken or it was... You don't know that you had chicken and you intentionally walk around the neighborhood so other kids can see your drums, at least part of your drumstick or the bone, you know, a remnant. <laughs> Listen, in 83, I mean, I'm sure my age is showing. I remember we had a neighbor who was selling rice and, and, and chicken stew. The only problem was that the chicken stew was only full of just chicken heads. The only meat in the chicken stew was the head. The head, the head, the head, head of the chicken. I'm sure the poultry farmer could come and identify them. This is, I don't know what name they give to their chickens, you know, <laughs> but this is this one's head and that's the other. 1983. Today we are dieting. We are counting calories. Say, <laughs> so, oh, <laughs> I have to tone down. Why are you toning down? Because <laughs> there's abundance. But do you see it? Do you see that you who used to queue for chicken head, and you were lucky, listen, you were lucky if you got the legs. That leg, it has used to step in everything. Uh, what, what do you call them? Talons or, I don't know what you call them, but you see it like that, looking at you aggressively. Like a tree branch. All bone, no meat. They give it to you. And you are so grateful. Chicken leg. I mean, the whole chicken now, how much meat is on the whole chicken? Then they give you the leg. And you are grateful. We eat chicken. They will take a bottle of Coke and they will dilute it with water at the children's party. And serve it around. As long as a bit of the color stayed. <laughs> Especially the Fanta. Fanta, they, they can dilute uh, Still, you see a bit of yellow. God has done so more. Amen. So, when we are worried now, okay, you are worried about something. Please, go to your family album. Go and dig up some pictures of you yourself. And look at yourself. Look at the clothes you were wearing. Recently, one of mine popped up. <laughs> On the ACC platform. Hey. <laughs> if you see my white trousers. <laughs> the size. I could fit. My whole body could fit in that trousers. <laughs> in fact, my whole body could fit in one, one leg of the trousers. You know. And then I'll be worried about something. Oh God, my children's school fees. Oh God, my help. It's, it's an insult. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, the problem is that we get distracted. He didn't say if you follow me for five minutes, for five years, for ten years. No. As long as you keep following me, you walk in light 
that leads to life. Amen. As long as you keep following me. But we get distracted, so we become anxious. And then we start sinking. In verse 4 of John chapter 9, Jesus makes a statement that almost doesn't fit in the story. It's, it feels out of place. Verse 4 feels out of place in the narrative. Because it says, I must work or we must work the works of he that sent us. The New Living Translation says, we must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here on earth, I am the light of the world. Amen. The journey God has been with you on, that journey, okay, that journey. I'm not talking another journey. I'm not talking another miracle God would do. The journey he's been with you on so far, he expects you to have enough testimonies to share the good news with another person. Amen. Amen. That's all it takes. This is this whole man's story. In fact, when this man was healed and he starts sharing his story, you discover that he didn't even know Jesus. Maybe let me quickly read through it so that you get a sense of the full story. Verse 6. So Jesus sees this man born blind. They've had their little debate whether it was his father who sinned or his mother or he himself. And Jesus says, no, his weakness is an opportunity for God's glory. Then verse 6, Jesus does something. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, others said no. No, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see. Where is he now? They asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees. Because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him, the Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he put the mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man Jesus is not from God, for he's working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leader still refused to believe the man who had been blind and could now see, so they called his parents. They asked them, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? His parents replied, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but if but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said he's old enough. Ask him. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get a glory for this because we know this man Jesus is a sinner. Verse 25, I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind, 
and now I can see. But what did he do? They asked him. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they cursed him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why? That's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he's ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a total sinner, they answered. And you, are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshipped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying we are blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Amen. Whew. What is this man's story? He says, who Jesus is? I don't know. You know, all these questions you're asking me. Is he from God? Is he from... I don't know. But this I know. This I know. Once I was blind... Now I see. This I know. Eschatology, uh, theology. I don't understand all that. Hebrew, Latin, Greek, the origin of what word, I don't understand. All of that I don't know. But this I know. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know, all of us, if you are here, if you've encountered Jesus, you have a this I know story. Amen. You have a this I know story. I'm not talking new things God is going to do for you. The problem is that many times we forget. That which was once exceptional has now become our norm. So now if you have just a thousand Ghana cities left, you are worried. You feel broke. Thousand Ghana. You who used to walk everywhere like a lion. Because trot trot fair, you couldn't afford. Did you get my point? Today if your bank balance is a thousand Ghana, you are worried because you are broke. You consider that broke. You know, like, you, 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 you're like, oh, a whole me, a whole one, you. Say, <laughs> so this I know that once I was blind, but now I see. Amen. This I know, this I know. This I know. And Jesus said, listen, I came to render judgment. This is my judgment. If you know you're blind, I will help you. But too many Christians have become distracted from the light. We've allowed ourselves to get caught in unnecessary stress. Unnecessary stress. Unnecessary stress. Distracted. 
So even, you know, we, that, that's, that's the problem. That we stand and it's as though we are defeated. You know, because the focus, we have forgotten that we're born blind. You know, that we're handicapped at birth. That if by everything we shouldn't have been where we are. You know, it was just grace that carried us and brought us this far. You are worried about children. You, you are the first person in your family to have a, have a wedding. First. First. Proper marriage, proper marriage, where they do, they poppy, poppy. First. And now you, you are worried. Like, have you finished thanking God for the poppy poppy? I, I, I hope you get it. So, so sometimes when we hear testimonies, it's, it's not so much because God is not doing anything for us. So, but the exceptional has become our norm. It's become normal for us. Like you live in this hot country, but you don't sweat because your car is air-conditioned, your office is air-conditioned. And your church is air-conditioned. Church. To do all night, we'll stand on some field. Ah, yeah, yeah, ah, yeah, yeah. The mosquitoes will force you to pray. You know. Now we understand scripture. We say, Lord Jesus, how are you? Have you had a cup of tea today? <laughs> Can I have conversations with Jesus? You, you that they were chasing. Anytime you raise your voice to pray, Jesus. Sometimes we even get philosophical. This idol. Amen. Outreach is just about sharing your story. But you can't share the story you forget. You can't share the story you don't take the time to let it simmer. You can't share the story you don't appreciate. Remember, you are not here by accident. Your life was never an accident. Whether your parents planned it or not is immaterial. But if you are here, it's because God has a purpose and a plan. And you must do the works of he who sent you now. Because a time will come when you can't. A time will come when you won't have the energy or the time. But now, it can be a blessing to a fellow student. It can be a blessing to a colleague, to an employee. You can share your story with them. You can share your experience of walking with Jesus with them. You don't need a degree in theology. You don't need Bible verses. Tell them how you went through divorce and you thought you would never recover. You thought, I will never recover. You thought, I'm done. But his grace picked you. His grace picked you. And how he sustained you. And how he sees you through every day. That's, that's all you need to tell them. Amen. That's all. That This I know. That once I was blind. But now I see. Amen. Amen. That me, who used to be hungry. Always hungry. Today I'm dieting. It, it sounds bizarre. 
But, but that's your testimony. That today I'm dieting. Today I count calories. Oh, me, I count calories. This I know. Because it is proof that he provides. Amen. You don't need another story. Your story is enough. Amen. May God open your eyes to see that that is all sharing the gospel is about. That your journey is enough. Let's pray. Oh, Mahasende I just want you to pray a prayer of thanksgiving. Thank God for your journey, for the highs and for the lows. You know, that you know, you go and you come because he sustains you. He's been good to you. He's been good to you. That's all he needs you to share with another person. That he's been good to you. He's truly been light to you. He's truly been light to you. He's truly been light to you. He's been light to you. He's been light. He's been light to you. He's been light to you. You are where you are because His grace. His grace has sustained you. Oh, Father, we thank you for grace and mercy. We thank you for your goodness and your love. We thank you for being the light of the world. And because we choose, we choose to follow you would always have light that leads to life. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.